Welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, your weekly dose of strategies and mindset tools to build a business in alignment with your purpose and get you playing a bigger game. I'm your host, Nicole Leno. Hello, and welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Leno, and I am here today with a very special guest. Someone I am, I can't even tell you how excited I am to bring this amazing woman to you. This is Fatima Omar. She is a global trainer, a publisher of number one bestsellers. She is also a mom of five, and she's about to knock your socks off because she just has energy like nobody I have ever met before. Fatima, how are you? Thank you for being here. Welcome. Oh my God, Nicole, I've been counting down the days. Thanks for having me. So I'm so excited for the listeners to get to know you. I feel very fortunate that I have gotten to know you through the the program and mastermind that we're in together, but tell them a little bit about yourself and we'll get into your whole story, but, but tell them, tell them a little bit about who you are. Well, today my life is incredible, extraordinary. My kids are thriving. I'm able to help women all around the world make more money than their male relatives, because that's my whole thing. You know, it's all about like, if the guys are making money, you got to make more money. Um, And I'm just so tired of these amazing humans being the world's best kept secret. So we launched a company just to publish books to say, here I am, let me tell you what I do. And so everybody can be seen and heard because I, I believe that women's voices need to be showcased all around the world. Now, my life wasn't always this way. Um, I got married many, many, many moons ago, and I got married to a man who was an undiagnosed bipolar narcissistic human, and that created 22 years of violence, manipulation, guilt. Um, And, you know, I learned a lot from that experience. And uh, about 12 years ago, I decided I was done. And I packed up five kids. My youngest was four. My oldest was uh, 19. He was in the first year university, plus my son, Tariq, with the wheelchair. And we pretty much ran away. We ran away from a multi-million dollar lifestyle, a very, very uh, crazy family that was like, you know, I don't want to use the word mafia, but it's like very, very controlling and rich. And I was on the run for a long time trying to save my children. We were homeless for a while. I was collecting a welfare check of $535. And um, that was how we started. And I had to really, really dig deep, Nicole, to work on the fear, work on my belief system, ask myself like deep spiritual questions on how I got there. And I needed a why. Like, why was I doing this? And you know what? It was a very, very simple but powerful why. And at that time, my why was I wanted my children to know me as more than just a woman who experienced violence. I wanted my kids to see me as more than that. And here we are, you know, from that why to what we have today, um, slowly but surely, I reinvented myself and showed my kids an example that was worth following. You most certainly have. (laughs) You are, um, you are absolutely an example of, I mean, it really is the rags to riches story, but it's, it's not just rags to riches because it is, 
I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your identity in that marriage, because that that's a shift. It's one thing to go from, I don't have money to, I have money. It's another thing to go through years of abuse where nothing, I don't think messes with your head more than that and your worth. And so how do you go from that space of, of going through that experience to being able to create what you have created for yourself, which is, you know, you, you've grown a global brand and, and you see yourself, your, your whole brand, you're, you're a queen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that is such a powerful question. And I was having this conversation with my son. Um, he's married, he's been married for about six years and we talk almost every day on the phone and one day he says to me on the phone, he goes, you know, I see you online. You got more followers than I will ever dream of. And, and he goes, honestly, there are times I don't recognize you. And we continue talking about that. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, sometimes I actually feel sorry for my younger siblings because when you were raising me, you were the mom. We were swimming together. You made bread and homemade jams and all the parties happened at our house and the pool parties and and I see my younger siblings and you, this global leader, and you got teams and you're running around and people in the house. And I said, and I asked him this question, Nicole, I said, would that mother that raised you been able to do what I do today? And he said, no, you wouldn't have. And he was like, how did you do it? Like in such a short time, you are unrecognizable to me. And, and I had to really sit with this. And I'll tell you, I figured it out, Nicole. This is what I did. You see, violence and abuse can systematically break down your identity of who you really are as how the creator made you or how the, that soul calling, it systematically breaks you down. So all you know and all I knew was I'm not a person worthy of anything out there in the world. And the only thing of value to me is what my perpetrator tells me I am. So I had to go on a killing spree. Let me tell you, killing everything that he ever told me that was a lie. And you literally have to go on a killing spree of saying, what serves me? What doesn't serve me? I started devouring YouTube content and trying to figure out how to make this happen. And there's a second piece. And the second piece is forgiveness. Can I forgive myself for allowing myself to think that these things were actually true, even if it was 1% true? Can I forgive myself for the things I did and didn't do? Can I forgive myself for the things I said and didn't say? Because so many of us think it's about the other person. But that abuse happened a long time ago, or maybe it's continually happening because every time I think of it, I'm actually abusing myself. And how do you stop that runaway train of saying, that's a lie. That is not who I am. And it was a continuous and a conscious daily effort to recreate my identity and say, I'm not any of that, but I am this. And I started to fall in love with my future more than what had happened to me. And I kept saying to me, I'm not my history. I'm not my circumstance. I'm not what happened to me. I'm not my bank account. I am my possibility. And I would say this like a thousand times a day. 
that, wow. Um, I always say I, th- th- this resonates very, very, very powerfully with me because I, I say that a lot too. And not from this place of abuse. I mean, I think I, I didn't grow up with the greatest upbringing either. I had, I had nothing like what, what you were talking about, but this idea of other people making up our identity, other people, um, someone telling you that what you are worth and that it's not very much and you tying your worth to something that happened to you and to something that happened in the past. And the past is honestly, like when you say fall in love with your future more than your past, fall in love with possibility and be more attached to possibility. I think that that is the most powerful practice anyone could have in their life. And that's something that I do with meditation where that's part of my morning intention is to intentionally sit down on a pillow every morning and quiet my mind and focus more on what I want to create than what has created me. Right. Oh my God. So, so powerful. And and how long did this take you? How long was your journey from when you left to to where you started to turn it around to where you really started to see it, you know, catch fire like it has? So I would say if I really look back at the time, uh, it took about five years of consistent work to see things changing. You can't, you can't let go of the ball. You cannot let the balls drop. You got to be on yourself. Like your, you and your life that you're creating has to be the project. Nothing else should matter besides you. And, and I looked at my kids and I went, I've, I've got to do this. Every day was, it was about them. And let me tell you, there were days I didn't want to do it. There were, ta- there were days I just cried. There were days I was having a pity party. And then I would allow myself that. I was like, okay, have your pity party, cry and call your friends and tell them you're having a pity party. And then you gave yourself a time limit. How much of a pity party do you need? Two hours, four hours, a day? And then you got to pull on your big girl panties on and make this happen, girl. Okay, you are the queen of your life and do this thing. Because if you're not, everyone else is going to tell you. It's either default or design. There's no other choice. So after about five years, I started noticing something started changing. And I started volunteering places, making crazy cookhead videos and really bad stuff. Let me tell you, okay, everything I did was bad, 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 bad. But you got to do the bad stuff for the good stuff to come out, right? Like the videos were bad. The articles were bad. The talks were bad. But you, you have to do all that because, and somewhere inside, I had to fall in love with failing as well. I even coined a phrase, F, 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 fail forward faster, fail forward faster. The faster I fail, the faster I do, the faster the good stuff's coming. And then around, I think around the six year mark, I had this idea that I could actually start charging people. And then, (laughs) what a concept, what a concept. Um, And then I met these couple of guys who told me about bestseller publishing. So I hired them. Let me tell you, I bartered a lot because I didn't have a lot of money, but I had enthusiasm. I had things I could do. So I got super resourceful and creative about how to get things done. And 
they showed me how to do this. And um, I wrote a book. I had written like a bunch of books before. Nothing happened. Again, bad, bad. You got to go through that. Um, and then around 2017, I wrote a book in the beginning of the year. And it was called My My niche market at that time. And you got to go through a whole bunch of niches to figure out which one works for you. And the, the niche was divorced Muslim women. And I wrote a book called how to be a Muslim woman divorced and totally confident. So controversial. Everybody got their underwear in the knot. Okay. <laughs> it was like it hit number one in 24 hours. And Oh my God, I, you know, it was so weird. Perception is everything. So you can be so smart, but if the world doesn't think you're smart, no one's going to invite you. I was just as smart the day before that book hit number one. Okay. But when the book hit number one, everybody wanted to hire me. I didn't have a program. Everybody wanted this. I was like, oh my God, there's a lineup outside my factory and I don't have goods. That was me. Okay, it was so funny. And then people were like, can you come and speak on this stage? Can you come and speak on this stage? And then the imposter syndrome hit. It was like, what? What just happened? Is this me? Was it too good to be true? All the nonsense lies come up again. So I wrote the second book that year called From X to Extraordinary, which also hit number one. And then, Nicole, my annual income became my monthly income. Mm. And that's what happened. So that's the story in a gist. And uh, my goodness, like I, it, I'm, I have so many notes. I'm like, where do I, what, what do I go to next? Um, one of, some of the things I just want to highlight because we just, we just, you just dropped so much on everybody. But a couple of things that stood out for me there is just, it's either default or design. Your life is either by default or design. And, and then the failing forward faster that you create, like what kept coming to me with, with both of those things was you create your future through your failure. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. My darling. Yes. And so many of us are afraid of the failure we're afraid to take a wrong step that we take no step and we stay right where we are in default. I know. I know. And what if, what if we looked at this world as a school and this is the get it wrong exercise? Oh, my God. Mm. This is the get it wrong exercise, honey. Just get it wrong. And if the and if the purpose is to get it wrong, then you're giving yourself permission to fail. Then you're giving yourself permission to move forward in faith and accepting failure, not just as a possibility, but you're aiming for it because you're just like, you know what? Let me screw this up and I'll learn from it because the, the result, <laughs> right. the, the purpose is to learn and and learn from that and then move forward from there. So like incredible. So you with your your two bestsellers that first book very controversial like you said the topic itself was controversial you stepping out in the muslim community as a divorced woman telling them that not only should they like that it's okay to be divorced it's okay to feel like you are you and you are powerful a yep. woman and how powerful is that message? And people responded so well to it. I, I, what's interesting to me is you talked about, you know, that, that that was when the imposter syndrome 
kicked in. Because I think a lot of people, the misconception is that I will get the success, I will get the thing, and then I will feel worthy. Then then all of the feelings, all the belief and everything will start to, to come with me as I get the stuff, as I <laughs> get these milestones. But it's funny because you're still the same person. Yeah. <laughs> with all the same insecurities, with all the same thoughts and beliefs and all the same, nothing changed in you until like just exterior stuff changed. So what did you have to change in between that first book and that second book where you did start to show up as, you know, as you say, claim your queendom, you show up with yeah. a second book. And what, what was that process then? Did you just keep doing more of the same thing or was it different now that you had the exterior success? I think we go through this whole, um, it's like a circular mountain. If you're growing, if you're climbing up this mountain and, and the goal, the end goal is the top of the mountain, it's never a straight line. And I actually think we're going around the mountain. And when you're on this side of the mountain, you feel confident. And when you're on the side, you're feeling not confident. And when you're on the, this, and, and I, I had to just be okay with the fact that these imposter feelings are going to come up periodically. And so what I did was I created a strategy for myself. And the strategy was when I was actually feeling confident, I wrote a strategy where I'd say, okay, when this imposter syndrome thingy, um, thingamajig, this ugly little wolf shows up, what am I going to do? And I said, okay, I'm going to bring in my energetic healing. I'm going to reach out to this particular person. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to do my Dr. Joe meditation, all of my teachers and Greg Braden and who all of the people that have been part of my journey. And I look at every single person, whether I paid them money or not, whether I worked with them, I went to a conference or I watched a YouTube, they were adding pebbles to my little stream as I crossed the stream. So when I was in my confidence stage, I would write down the strategy. So when this happens, what shall I do? Because let me tell you, when I'm in my pity party and I'm in the middle of my poop, I can't even think straight. Okay. I am like, so, oh my God, I'm not the person and whiny and all of that. And I said, I need to create a strategy for myself and lock myself up in my room or go get a hotel because I don't even want to be around my kids when I'm in such a pity party. I'm in a pickle. And so what do I do? The moment you recognize this, Fatima, go get a hotel room, get on a plane, go somewhere else, lock yourself up in your room, put post-it notes everywhere to tell people that you are having a huge pity party and then follow the strategy. But it's going to happen no matter what existential or outside or external circumstances change. Because here's the thing, Nicole, I'm forever upping the game. I'm continually moving the moving the goalposts. So every single time when my coach says double your prices, I'm just like imposter syndrome, flags, waving, right? So that's the strategy I create. And 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 the other thing I did is that um, I started becoming deaf to my old beliefs. So let's say I hired a new coach and the coach says, double your prices, go do this, do this, go do a video every single day, whatever that thing is that they want you to do. 
I decided to make a deal with myself. As long as it was legal, I was not going to question it. And I was just going to go do it. Because if I had already known how to do it, I would have done it. <laughs> I love, I love that. I mean, and, but I, I really love, so when you were feeling confident, so when you were in a moment, you didn't wait for something bad to happen. You just said, you know what? I'm, I know that imposter syndrome is something like I'm never going to get over because new level, new devil. Yeah. Right? The next time I want to achieve something new, this little voice, this little gremlin is going to, is going to show up and it's going to try to tell me that no, 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 right where you are is where you should stay. And how do I deal with that? And I love that you, and, and this is where you, and, and this is what I teach too, is having like, just because it's kind of metaphysical and mindset, it doesn't mean there isn't a process. It doesn't mean that it's, there's not a clear step-by-step or strategy that you can implement that gets you through to a better mindset, to a better place. So you were like, you, you, Basically, we're like, when when this imposter syndrome gets triggered, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And that should help me at least one, bring my awareness to it and to probably get me out of it. These are the, these are the things that I know work that get me to where I need to go and get me back into a groove. So I love that. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you help people and what you work with. With because I know part of your back to the very beginning, something that I, I wrote down because I wanted to get back to this. I love I love the fact that you unapologetically say that you that you help women make more money than the men that they're with, <laughs> which I think is is I love that you come at it from the start with that, not work up to it. That you talk about that from the beginning because talk about a limiting belief that most women have. Not only that, can they make more money than the men that they're with, but should they? Are they worthy of that? So tell us a little bit about that and, and how you work with people um, writing books and getting their voice heard. Oh my God, that's such a great question. I mean, look at the world we live in, right? Hollywood, women are paid less. Executives, corporations, women are uh, paid less. In fact, there was a study that was done either in Forbes or Time. I don't know. I read all these studies because I'm such a geek when it comes to women and, and money. And it says that women will finally have equal pay in whatever 19, 2000 donkey years. I will not be alive. My daughter won't be alive. Okay. And it's like 25th, I don't know, 2200 or whatever. I'm thinking not even the new baby that was born yesterday is going to be alive to see that. How do they even know that? Which actually tells me it might not happen unless we take the bull by its horns, we get on the stallion and we start riding this thing into the sunset. So yes, it is a permission thing. And I think when you look at what we do and what you do, Nicole, and I do, we empower women. And to actually say something like, you know what, you're going to make more money than your surgeon husband. And let's see what shows up for that woman. Because I'm, I like to trigger people because the ego wants to keep us stuck, struggling and invisible. The ego wants to be comfortable on the couch. The ego wants the past, what's familiar. And your soul and your spirit wants all of those opportunities and possibilities and what the future is going to bring and make a difference and find a cure and go out there and go conquer the world. 
And so I like saying things like every single year, you're going to get more and more ravishing. What would it be like to be a queen? What is it going to be like to make more money than your surgeon husband or Elon Musk, right? And those kind of things actually trigger people. And I want to know what the limiting beliefs are. You know, when someone says to me, well, if Angelina Jolie doesn't even make as much money as Brad Pitt, who am I? And I'm like, great, let's work on that. Mm -hmm. Let's see what are those poverty consciousness and uh, belief systems and history that is keeping you not getting the goals that you want. So you drive around in circles wondering, is it really you? And I'm saying, no, it might not all be you. It might just be society that got you here. So for me, when it comes to the coaching that I do and the publishing that I do, I like to go back to the really fundamentals and it's like women need to be seen and heard. And if you can take your past, your pain, your skills and your expertise and package it into a beautiful bow of purpose and power and profit, I'm your girl. I'm going to show you how to do that, baby, right? What do you want to do? Do you want to teach women something? You want to write a book? What do you want to do? Let's let's figure this out together and see where do you want to go and if I'm the girl to help you. Uh, well, hell yeah. I mean, women need to be seen and heard. Like the two things that really, really stuck out to me there were that and then, you know, your ego versus your soul. Um, just what's your soul is what's crying out to you. And your ego is the jerk on the side of the door on, on the other end of the door, holding it closed and keeping your soul trapped. And I think that's particularly true for women, but that, that, that women need to be seen and heard is it's often like, so women in entrepreneurship, this audience is going to be pretty much all entrepreneurs. And especially when you're in that beginning to the middle stage of your business and you're, you're not, you don't have the hundred percent belief just yet. And that first hurdle is really, is really embracing the fact that you are worthy of being seen and heard. It, that's right. been my experience. Oh, that is so, so true. So, so true. So I love the work that you do, that that's like, that's the first hurdle. And you teach them how to do something that most people don't think they have in them. I think all of us kind of wish that we could write a book. Like, I think that's a secret dream that pretty much all entrepreneurs, I think, have. I think that we all feel like we have a story to tell and or something to teach and something to offer. Um, but I would say that there's a big, big percentage of us that say like, oh, but that's something that other people do. <laughs> I know, right? Like I'm not interesting enough or I'm not an expert in that enough or I don't have enough to share. People wouldn't read my book. And then there's the, would they? <laughs> um, so so how do you how do you approach that? Do, do people come to you with a full book idea and they're like, just show me how to do it? Or do people come to you sometimes with just like, I don't know, I'm really scared. I think I have a story, but I, I don't know. Can you help me? Yeah, that's such a great question. I'll give you a couple of examples. I do have people who've kind of written almost all of their books. And then I'm just like, okay, let's see what we can do with this. 
Um, and they've been writing this book for 10 years and it's been like an ongoing thing. And I'm like, come on, dude, don't you just want to get this thing out there in the next few months, like 10 years, you know, you, you had more hair back then. You're not even recognizable, like, come on. Right. Um, and then we've got the other side of the scale where I have a woman coming to me and I'll give you a client of mine, Athena. And she always had a dream. It was on her bucket list. Like I'm going to write a book. Mm -hmm. So we met at Starbucks. And she was recommended uh, to me by another client of mine. And she was like, I've got these two really great ideas. I've got my infertile story of like what happened and, and adoption and all of that. And then I'm a mortgage broker and I've got this book. So we just kind of spent an hour together, you know, no charge, just talking about the different ways of doing it. And she was like, okay, I'm ready. I know which one it is from all the stuff. We're going to write the mortgage book. And I want it to be a business book that's going to position me as an authority and an expert. Okay, so your book becomes your business card. Uh, it's a one-year program. And she was like, oh, no, I'll pay you double. I want it done in six months. And I was like, okay, well, if you'll do the work, let's make this happen. And uh, we guarantee the book will be in top 10. And we hit number one with her in multiple countries. She got like 200 new leads. Her book is done. All of that's happening. So that's one example. I'll give you another example of another client of mine. Her name is Shireen. She went through a really horrific situation. It's all published. And uh, she was a woman in India. And she started corresponding with someone back before the days of internet. Anyway, fast forward. The guys lures her to Canada, makes all these wild promises to her. When she gets here, he locks her up. She's a sex slave. She has three kids for this man. And today she is an author, a coach, a, uh, an amazing human, a public speaker. And the book opened all of those doors as she built her courage to go, how, how does someone want to hear my story? Is my story worthy? And now she is making money because of that pain. And, you know, Rumi, the 14th century poet said, uh, Nicole, do not get attached to your pain because one day your pain will be your cure. And so what if your history is your superpower and we can take your history and all of the things that we went through and your life can be someone else's guidebook. That's what we do. I I love that. I mean, and I like you and I have such a similar perspective on things. So everything that you're saying, I'm just like, yes. Um, but that that idea that um, Dr. Joe is someone that I have followed and and done his work for a long time as well. The may your past turn into wisdom. Yeah. May And I think about that all the time. Every time that I have a challenge and I remind all of my clients of this, like every single thing that you have in your life, every challenge that's there, what if you looked at it as, I may not know the purpose for it now, but at some point it will be revealed to me and I'll look back on it and be like, that's why I suffered then. Mm -hmm. That's why that pain existed was so that I could be here right now and help somebody else with it, or this will get me through this. Um, a personal story that, that I'll share, you know, that, that I recently had this feeling about somebody in my past where something that really resonated with, with me was sometimes the people who hurt us the most are our greatest teachers. And 
not that you're grateful for the pain, but that it had purpose and they're part of your journey. And all of that is part of your journey. So I, I, I love that you're, you give people their power back. Absolutely. And we talk absolutely. About, and you and I both have that, that, that line that your story is your superpower and you really show people how to harness their story and turn it into like their suit of armor. I know. And make a lot of money, make more money than your male relatives because of your story. (laughs) And that too. And that too. So what do you say to somebody who's just starting out? What do you say to somebody who is afraid to tell their story right now? Um, Or or where do they start trying to embrace and, and understand what their story is? I would say baby steps. Like you don't have to tell the world the deepest, darkest secret and the one, the pain that hurts you the most. Don't go there yet. Go to your surface stories. Talk about something that happened last week. Talk about the fact that, you know, I went to the grocery store and then my debit card declined. You know, talk about something that, you know, you, you asked your child to clean up the room and then they just gave you a funny look and didn't do it. And allow yourself the courage and only go as far as you want to. And Otherwise, what you're doing is you're comparing yourself to Nicole and Fatima and all of the other people and going, well, if Fatima can talk about her deepest, darkest secret and I don't, then I'm not as good. Take all that competition and delete all of that. Let me tell you, if you're just starting out and you're scrolling through Instagram and Facebook and all of that, most of what you're looking at is fake. (laughs) It's not even true. So... The only competition is who you were yesterday. And so I encourage everyone who's listening to this, be gentle with yourself. This is not a race. It's not a sprint. This is a long-term marathon where you get to recreate yourself daily. So for example, if today um, you only did one affirmation, then do two tomorrow. That's it. And then do two for the next few days right? And if you forgot to meditate, forgive yourself and start over. Just keep on forgiving yourself and be gentle and find a why that is going to wake you up in the morning. Find a why that is going to like be that little spark. You know, I remember when I was in, in my abusive marriage and I was in the shower and I was crying. Nicole, I used to cry so much. I cried folding laundry. I cried cooking. I cried in the shower. And I prayed a lot because I'm a spiritual person. I'm also a religious person. And I would pray a lot. And I one day I'm in the shower and, and I'm saying to God, I'm like, you know, I'm so afraid. I'm afraid of myself. I'm afraid of my husband. I'm afraid of my in-laws. I'm afraid of life itself. And I said to God, I said, you know, I know deep inside of me, there's a little tiny Fatima. And can you use my tears to grow her? Like just help her to get courage, help her to grow, help her to be brave. And I would ask for these prayers, but I'm going to tell you something, Nicole. Prayer alone is not a plan. 
God is not going to come down and shower and shave you. And God is not going to come clean your chicken. And God is not going to come and cut your tomato for your salad. We have got to pull up our socks and wipe out tears. And yes, pray a lot. But if you're not going to take action and I didn't put those five kids in the car and I didn't drive away and I didn't get a vision board from someone else's recycle and I didn't do the action and I didn't volunteer in the jails, none of this would have happened because God will send you ideas and inspiration and opportunities, but he's not going to come and do it for you. Yeah, it's the so that, right? So it's like you pray for strength, you you know, you open yourself up, you pray for openness, you pray for the strength, the knowledge, the wisdom so that you can do what? Yeah. So so that the imperfect action, the moving forward in faith, the failing forward faster, all of that is that's the key. And we often forget that, that we can, I, I would say that, you know, and that's kind of like the, the inspiration for this podcast was we are all limitless. And I found a lot of, I had really gotten into, I, I, I'm a type A person. So I love structure and strategy and all of that stuff, but that wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. I had to do all of the mindset work. I had to do the meditation. I had to get in touch with myself. I had to get aligned and understand that, as I say, the squishier side of, of business and of growth, but I still need the strategy. You can't meditate your way to seven figures. There's has to be action behind it. Like you were saying, prayer is not a plan. It's part of it. That's right. It gets you to do the other, the, the things that you need to do to stay in action and to make great things happen for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Prayer alone is not a plan. You got to do both. You got to do the hard work. And when it comes to people that have had tough lives and tough past and, and trauma and abuse and PTSD and violence, I really found a way to figure that out in my life too. You said something really powerful. You know, there are going to be people that are going to hurt us And those people are our greatest teachers. But what if we took it a step further? What if I said, I asked God for something. I said to the universe, I want X, Y, Z. And the universe and God looked at me and said, wow, she's not quite ready. So we're going to turn universe into university. Hmm. And she's going to go through a training. And Hmm. what if all of the things I went through was the answer to my prayer because I was trained to be ready to receive that million dollars. I was trained and ready to receive that soulmate. I was trained and ready to be in the best shape of my life, right? What if it was all training to get you ready for who you're meant to be? I love that. And all I could get in my head was like, so if you want to be a Navy SEAL, they're going to put you through hell (laughs) to make you a Navy SEAL. So do you want to be like the Navy SEAL or the Mossad agent or the, you know, whatever, whatever military, I just, that's what I kept getting to. Like they go through hell, literally. I think they call it hell week where they basically take you to like the brink of death 
so that you are trained to go out and defy death every day. And I feel like that's sort of what you're saying is that, you know, when you ask the universe for something and you say, I want to be the Navy SEAL of my life, I want to run and, and experience and do and, and be at the highest level possible. And they're like, well, in order for you to be ready for that, you need to go through this level of training. I love that. I know if, if, if God in the universe had sent me all my clients 10 years ago, it would have been a big bust. I would not have known what to do with them, how to do it, how to help them transform. And so I went through all of that and I am the incredible human and the queen of my life today because I went through the training. Uh, I quite literally could talk to you all day. Like we could just sit here and clear our calendars and, and chat and that would be totally fine with me. Um, but I do, have to, I do have to let you get back to your life. And this has been so fun. And I know that people are going to want to stay in touch with you because I'm, you know, I'm addicted to you. So I'm sure that my listeners are as well. Where can they stay in touch with you, get more of you, um, tell them where they can find you? So the best and most effective place to find me, you can Google me, Fatima Omar, I'll come up everywhere. But the best way is my Facebook tribe. Go to the tribe of spiritual entrepreneurs. All the good, yummy, amazing queenhood stuff is all in there. Uh, you join all the other women in there. It's an amazing community. And I am on Facebook. I'm on any social media. You can find me. And I'm very, very good at responding to direct messages or anything, but that would be a really, really good place to start. Yeah. And, and I'm actually, I am in that group because I like, I I'm, I'm not putting this on. I, I love Fatima more than anything. And her group is on fire. So the tribe of spiritual entrepreneurs, if you guys didn't catch that, we are going to link that up in the show notes as well. So if you're not writing that down, that's okay. You can just hop down to the show notes and click the link when you are ready, or you can Google Fatima Omar um, and you will get a list of all the things of where you can find her, her books and all, and all of that stuff. Um, thank you so much for being here. This was such an amazing conversation. I know that this spoke to so many people who are listening right now and, and open them up. And I'm sure that they will continue to follow you because you are amazing. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Nicole. I love you so much. Thank you for this podcast and all that you serve out there in the world. And Thank you for having me. It's been such an honor. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who's listening. Thank you for staying till the end. Guys, I want you to always remember everything that we talked about in this episode is, is everything that we are about. You are limitless. That is what this show is about. And I want you to always remember that this is your little reminder that you are only limited by the limitations you accept. You are a limitless entrepreneur. Thank you so much for being here. And I will see you on next week's episode. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more of this type of content and conversation in your life, please come check out our free Facebook community, Unlock Your Inner CEO, where you'll find next level entrepreneurs just like you. Go to innerceogroup.com to join. I'll see you there.